Okay, we have a short message here before we get... www.govnn.com Go there if you seriously dislike or somehow have some kind of crazy problem with Jews, hook-nosed kikes, and or yids. We killed the Son of God. Thank you. All right, Ari. Hey, uh, welcome back, Mitch and Yankee Jim. Uh, I've got a couple uh, that really refreshed me and helped me um, um, help me uh, to uh, get refocused here. I've been getting up a little bit earlier, but I got a few, um, uh, 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 I guess, VNN shop talk here. We got uh, Goyfire, see, it's 44, 44, we got it coming out real soon. And I also want to give a a plug also to Yankee Jim's blog. What's the URL for that, Yankee Jim? Uh, I think it's a pretty long one. TheHudsonValleyFreeman.blogspot.com yeah, you can go to that uh, site by if you go to govnn.com and then uh, click on the right side. Uh, click on the right side, local white nationalist blogs, and they'll find your link. Yeah, you can also link to it off of uh, Hal Turner's website up in the upper left-hand corner of his homepage also. And that's uh, halturnershow.com, I think it is? Yep, that's what it is. HalTurnerShow.com. Yeah, I listen to the, a lot of the Turner Radio Network stuff uh, quite often. See see if you can get him to uh, open up his uh, wallet to uh, archive his shows. So uh, see if you can get him to do that. Because uh, uh, sometimes I can't always make the... Uh, I know it costs a little bit of time and bandwidth to... Uh, um, you know, t- expense and stuff to get that out there. But I think... Uh, I think I think people would really listen to it. Maybe he could wait like a week or so, uh, you know, after each broadcast or something. But I, th- I think I think his listenership would actually increase because uh, you you get these uh, these broadcasts uh, floating around, and you know, people like people in Europe, for instance, they they can't hear his his show because most of them are in bed. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a plus. So. Um, Anyway, you know, I remember, um, uh, Mitch, we uh, had uh, uh, the, uh, 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 I think it was the last video that you put out, uh, you you had this big stack of news items that you, you said, you said something like, you know, I could go on here all day, and you're waving this big stack of printouts of, you know, uh, uh, black crime stories and, and, and Jew murder and atrocities and and so forth like that and you know I caught one here recently uh, this is from the UK and I'll, I'll have this for our for our European listeners when they download the show immigrants account for 75 uh, 70% of HIV and TB cases this is out of the United Kingdom more than two-thirds uh, of cases of all cases of T uh, tuberculosis TB HIV and malaria Malaria detected in Britain are found in patients who were born outside the country, according to a report from the Health Protection Agency. Three quarters of migrants who get TB are diagnosed with are diagnosed more than two years after they arrive in Britain, and many cases of malaria are contracted by migrants during their trips to their country of origin. Uh, and then the report also avoids direct comment on a screening policy. Uh, but says that in most in most cases the indigenous community that that's the native white Aryan Britons 
Uh, I love how they use this term indigenous to describe Aryans in their own lands. And that's what they are, but... You know, when we say indigenous over here, I, I think of like uh, like Sambo running around out in the forest. <laughs> but um, it says that most in, uh, indigenous Britons are not at risk from infection by migrants. And I would have to say, do you believe them? Do you believe uh, these health authorities? I, I wouldn't believe my government. I don't, I don't believe what they're saying about the immigration issue or how many are in here or the number of whites in this country. Good Lord, 75, 70% of HIV and TB cases. I think that's typical with the demographic. Yeah. I think you're finding that in all the places that are accepting these African uh, migrants or immigrants. I mean, heck, down in New Zealand, they even um, canceled the requirement that you can't have HIV to come into the country. And out of 1,300 Africans they let in, 800 of them had HIV. So they had to waive the rules for them just to be able to keep them. I don't know why they're such a prized possession, but they apparently want them. I hear there's, I understand there's a, a lot of HIV in uh, Royal Oak, Michigan as well. <laughs> oh, there would be. I understand <laughs> syphilis is rather high too, but yeah. it, what is it, 65% of all new AIDS cases in America are in the black female? I mean, that shows a lot of cross-gender relationships within the black population itself. Yeah, it, it is odd, and 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 uh, you know it's possible that they, you know they they do have some they do have a they don't have some sort of uh, protection from that disease that whites do, but uh, man, they have to be doing some. I still think they're doing some pretty nasty things to get all that uh, all that stuff. Uh, it's just uh, I I can't you know just being around uh, with niggers around niggers and seeing them. Uh, and you know they're they're nasty and and they don't look like us and they smell bad. I can't imagine what they must be doing sexually. Uh, what was it on Goy Fire that uh, Alex? Uh, I'm sure he read this somewhere, but evidently the, these African whores, uh, uh, the 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 men over there, the niggers in Africa, the whores get all worn out and they're actually putting in like tree bark. Uh, into into their into these women and screwing them with tree bark and sawdust and stuff like that because it's an astringent and it tightens up their pussies. <laughs> and that, that's incredible. That is not human behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> well, you know, we have a big problem with the Mexicans in this country as far as uh, contracting bed bugs. Now, I wouldn't stay at a motel that costs less than a hundred, hundred twenty dollars a night. Because if the migrants or the Mexicans are sleeping in there... You'll regret it. Yeah, these new bed bugs, you can't get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, you'll regret it. If you, if you, go, if you go cheap... I didn't get bed bugs, but I had a really bad experience. I thought I would go cheap uh, on a trip uh, down... <laughs> God, I should have known, known better. But uh, uh, down through the south... And uh, I went in Tennessee to see some of the battlefields, and and uh, it wasn't all my fault. They had some beauty pageant there in this town. It was Jackson, Jackson, Tennessee, and I thought, oh crap. Well, I, I just paid 50 bucks or something for a room, and oh my god, they had um, they had astroturf as the carpet in the room. Oh, <laughs> and of course <laughs> you the, knew you were in trouble right then. And yeah, there. yeah, astroturf. 
And uh, uh, this was, uh, what was it? It was a Baymont, Baymont Inn. If you, I don't know if anyone ever said, say there, a Baymont. And, uh, of course, the beds were lumpy and had holes in them. And, oh, my God. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I felt real bad. And the room felt really stuffy. And everything felt like it had, like, a layer of grease on it. And I said, I said, uh, you know, I'm not sleeping in here. And I went out and slept in the van. We have a minivan. I just went out and slept in the seat. Oh, for God's sakes! You know, it was so, so funny. I had I had two choices. I was either staying a Holiday Inn there in Jackson, Tennessee, for one hundred and ten dollars a night, or spend uh, fifty. And I thought, oh well, crap! I'll just go ahead and spend fifty, and I, I regret it. Uh, I, I sleep in your car, or spend or spend some serious, lay down some serious dough for uh, uh, for your uh, uh, hotels and motels. It's almost almost to the point where money doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, you've got the same people coming into the country, uh, you know, frequenting these these, uh, you know, the holiday and uh, every everything's just going downhill rapidly. It is everything. Well, I don't know if you guys saw it in the news today. A cruise liner over 700 people got sick from a fecal-borne bacteria. Yeah, there's. Only one way you can get that, and that's people are either intentionally putting it in the food or they just don't have the sensibilities to wash their hands. Either way, well, you're, you're taking a huge risk. Talk to your talk to your friends, folks. Uh, about three weeks ago or a month ago, I, I got food poisoning, and I rarely eat out, and I ate a salad at a barbecue place, and I'm convinced that's what did it. Uh, about a year before that, I also got food poisoning... Uh, from uh, I had to go to the hospital for this one. Uh, it was uh, it, 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 they traced it back to uh, a, f- uh, a soft drink dispenser uh, that had not been cleaned. The nozzle and in like the 7-Eleven type store, it had not been cleaned, and I got a really bad bacterial infection from that. And uh, I was I I started talking to my friends about this, and and lo and behold, some of them. Are all, have have also been sick with these foodborne illnesses, and you know my guess I think I, uh, this last one I I think I got was salmonella, but uh, I and I rarely eat out, and uh, I think if you talk to your friends you're going to find out, you know it may be a friend of a friend of a friend, but I think there's I think there these people are getting sick across the country, and I think it's a mother uh, excuse me, it's these goddamn Mexicans that are doing it. And, and I don't know if they're intentionally doing it or not, but they're either doing it out in the fields where they... I've heard, I guess from Mesker's show again, I've heard they're out there fornicating, and I hear that the uh, uh, in the fields around the lettuce, <laughs> and they're also... Uh, the, the growers out there bring in whores and all, kind, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. That's like a fun place to be, right? But uh, too bad it's not, you know... <laughs> but anyway, I, just kidding. But I guess uh, in a lot of these new construction homes, I mean, they'll take shits down the uh, heat ducts <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to live there where that little turd's down there rotting away and becoming some airborne problem. Well, they're, they're filthy. Have you yes. toured these new home developments and, and gone in and looked at... Uh, my father was in construction, and uh, he, he was in a slightly different field than home construction, but uh, uh, went out there with uh, my wife, and we were looking around these homes, and... And uh, there are all these balloon frame homes there, of course, but, uh, you know, they put the, the, the frame up there, and then they um, they put the 
plywood uh, cedar board or whatever it is. Not cedar board, but the, the, the compressed board. This stuff's got holes in it. And, you know, uh, it's, you know it's just the shoddiest kind of workmanship. Uh, and, you know, things aren't lined up right. And, and uh, the, the, the nails, uh, when, they, when they connect two pieces of wood, the nails are coming out. Uh, splitting the wood, and they're not—you know—they're not—they're not—they're uh, not driven in straight into the wood, uh, into the and and in, into the adjoining wood. Uh, they're coming out at angles and breaking and cracking the wood. It's uh, these homes are garbage. <laughs> oh, and they claim, oh no, this this new way is is much more durable. This is a much better house, and yet you can almost feel the floor bounce when you walk in some of these new houses. Yeah. They're not structurally rigid in any way. Yeah. And you know, we had a friend of mine uh, who used to go on these cruise ships all the time. And my brother and I used to warn, warn him not to do it. You know, you have all these muds touching your food. You're going to get a big gotcha one of these days. <laughs> and he went down to Mexico, got some weird kind of disease, wiped out his pancreas, has the type 2, I guess, diabetes, where he has to shoot up insulin several no times way. a day. Yeah. This is so your I mean, brother? No, a friend of ours, a mutual oh. friend of ours. But uh, the point is, you know, a lot of these diseases are a lot more harmful than just a stomachache for a few days. Oh, I know. Yeah, I had I had to go into the hospital uh, for this one, and uh, and for the one that was two years ago, and it was. Um, uh, oh, I remember the the bacteria name now. It was Campylobacter. If uh, that rings any bells with the listeners out there. And it, it was nasty, and uh, I was dehydrated, and and uh, I mean, it, it was it was just bad, bad news. And this is something that you, you I mean, God, it's you only going to get worse. Yeah, you, just, you can't hide from this stuff. You, you can't, this is not going to get better. Uh, it's only going to continue to worsen. The more yeah. mestizos uh, that come here, the worse it's going to get, and the more excuse making that's going to be going on. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like an old, an old geezer who's given up uh, Yankee Jim, but uh, yeah. and I think some of us we've kind of come off that way tonight. But you yeah. know, I, I just say go out and look at what's going on around you with clear eyes. And, it's hard to. And I I, uh, I I I give serious consideration to uh, this idea of and I'll mention it again. I'll plug it again of of Aryan communities. And if you want to listen to uh, Kievsky's example in this recent Goy Fire, I, I think it was Goy Fire 43. I don't think they called it Goy Fire 43, but that's that's what it is. And he has some very interesting ideas. He's he's got at least uh, the beginnings of a small community out there he's working with. But uh, that's not a, that's not my approach. Uh, but I think the only way that we're going to be able to maintain a decent style of living is for racially conscious whites to concentrate their numbers in an area. Now, that doesn't mean uh, living in a commune or anything like that. I, I would not do that. But it means uh, exactly what I just said it means. It means, if necessary, like moving into the same subdivision. If you live in suburbia, you know, it's got, you're living in a subdivision with 150 homes or 500 homes in it. You know, if you can get 25 uh white nationalists to move into your subdivision, you've done a lot to improve the condition of your community. Uh, 20, 25 like-minded uh, thinking people 
uh, you're right. You you've solved quite a few problems just by having. If there were 25 of us, you know, that moved into an apartment complex or, or condominium, you know, the the problems would be solved yeah, literally of, overnight. They'd be mitigated, and, right? And you know, they'd they'd be lessened. And we're you know, scattered. Yeah. And well, one one of the things that I find that kind of pokes a hole in that is, and again, Michigan is pretty much a segregated state, but the federal government keeps coming in and dropping either yeah. immigrant housing or federally subsidized housing right in the widest of areas, ruining their high schools and everything else. I mean, the rules have to change because you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Well, it's not a perfect solution, uh, but you know, at least there would still be 25 racially conscious whites near you. In that scenario, let's just say that they brought in a Section 8 housing, and actually they did this to where I live. Right down the street, there's a Section 8 housing complex, and the little niggers uh, in their in their miniature bicycles are all they all cut through my neighborhood now, and where they didn't, and and uh, all that crap. But uh, uh, you know, at least though, uh, you know, if something like that happened, at least you you would have the collective strength of of 25 white nationalists in your neighborhood and and you know you wouldn't be and and uh you know i i'm not i'm not kind of for reinventing the wheel as kievsky uh, approaches as i kind of see it as reinventing the wheel but uh my approach is you just and I, we're going to have kievsky and talk about it but uh it's just get people living kind of middle class lives into an area and and then and, and have the strength of a collective community there, and then you can influence you know whatever you want to influence. If you want to share things, share purchases, and then if you want to lobby the local government and demonstrate, you got the numbers to do it. But you know, being the way we are now, and just isolated individuals spread out across the country, man, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, would yeah, be really nice. Oops, I'm sorry, Yankee. No, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say, Kievsky has has quite a few good ideas, and he it's does. nothing, you know, it's it's not, uh, it's not really like, you know, uh, a cure for cancer or, or rocket science. It's, it's just stuff that's right in front of our face that we've gotten away from. It's simple stuff. As a matter of fact, you know, some people may even uh, say that Kievsky comes off as sound, sounding a little nutty, because you know he talks about farming without tools. I mean, you know, you actually got to work. Hey, I'm willing to entertain his ideas, actually. <laughs> and yeah, well, oh no, it's, I mean, we're going to have to. I personally believe uh, we are on a on a downward slope, and things are going to. You know, I hate to sound like the doom and gloomer myself, but I I like to think of myself as being a realist. Where uh, you know, nothing's getting better. Every everything is getting worse. It is. If you've got a problem with your phone, just a simple call for service. Everything turns into a major ordeal. You start the phone conversation by you got to hit a button to decide which language you wanna you wanna speak to the Indian in Bombay. In uh, everything is is progressively uh, going downhill. Nothing seems to be getting any better. Nothing. You can't even those, go on a cruise. Wonder how those Indians handle ebonics. <laughs> yes, he, we we talk often. He's a real good friend of mine. I like him. Yeah. He he's a good guy, but but like I said, uh, your your typical person on the street, if if they were to sit and listen to to Kievsky talk like he did on the last show, and he's great on the radio, I I told him to, to he should t 
talk, get on at least once a week, or once every other week, and talk about this stuff. But if you start talking, telling people, you know, hey, you got to work without without a machine, they they kind of you know think you're crazy. Well, <laughs> we're just, so spoiled. It just depends upon. I'm not I'm not totally convinced uh, in the reality of of he he brought that up uh, in into uh, in the relation of peak oil. Uh, I'm not I, uh, I'm not convinced that's re- I'm not. Um, I'm not totally convinced of all aspects of that argument. Uh, there are things that I accept, but there are other things that, that I'm, I'm not convinced of yet, and, and you know that's why I have a few reservations about that. And that's why you know my approach would be more working with the reality now. Uh, and 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 this is a, a friendly this is a friendly disagreement between Kievsky and I. Uh, because uh, actually, when I heard him speak on Goyfire, and then when I heard him call last week's, uh, I think the Friday edition of Free Talk Live, uh, uh, I, I really got a whole different impression of him, and 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 he he sounded actually more sensible uh, than reading uh, what he has to say, but um, uh, and and but you know you know my approach is is a little bit different from his, uh, you know, uh, there's I mean. You know, like uh, Mitch here is from Michigan, and and uh, and you know my family had roots has roots in the, in this part of the Midwest going back into the 1870s and 1880s, and you know it, it, even even considering all that, uh, I would pick up and move to chance uh, to live around other whites and in in a, in a different uh, healthier environment. Why 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 would I stay here? There's nothing here for me. M- my city is gone. And well, uh, and and I'll, I'll start again. Well, there's other ways to also encourage whites to help each other out. Um, you see other groups do this. Uh, they form these fraternal organizations or whatever you want to call them. Uh, whites can't do it based on a racial level, but you kind of can. And if the local merchant has this little sticker in the corner of his window, you know he's a member and he's certifiably only hiring whites and he is white himself. Something like that. I mean, I'm sure these Jewish groups have similar things. I mean, I see the Benai Brith stickers on things. Uh, living in the Detroit area, we have a lot of Jews around here. Heck, they even have Hebrew writing on some of the buildings. Oh, yeah, yeah. All these groups have done this. Uh, they have, uh, uh, I mean, on the area and community section of the forum, I mean, the fags, uh, okay, you, you're just talking about a business example, but I was talking more of a traditional kind of uh, mi- migratory approach. But if you think about it, the fags have, uh, have colonized entire cities. And then you also have the, the lunatic Christians. Uh, uh, I didn't know this, but uh, apparently they've taken over Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, th- and that, whole, that whole city now is just... Uh, Born again central out there, you know, you know those people are fucking nuts, and uh, and of course the Arabs in uh, in in uh, uh, Dearborn, Michigan, and uh, of course the, you know, we know how the niggers take over. Uh, they've taken over all of the hearts of all of our cities, and and I'm telling you, white man, this is the rules of the game now, and for you to uh, buy into this suburbia thing, uh, where you live as a, a you know, an isolated uh, nuclear uh, nucleus. Uh, that's that's a strategy for losing. 
you know, re- oh, we're running out of places to run to. Yeah. That's Speaking of which, uh, Jeff, let me just get in here because I, I wanted. I was talking about Royal Oak earlier, and I was leading into this and got you know distracted, which isn't really hard for me to to do. But um, talking about the nucleus, uh, I was wondering if Mitch knew that back. Uh, we were talking about how the fags, the the homos, the yeah. queers, have taken it over. Uh, did you know, Mitch, uh, I've, I've been doing some reading, that Royal Oak at one point, in t- and not, this isn't long ago at all, It's I, I don't know the exact time frame, but Royal Oak, Michigan was once the heart of all the Klan activity in Michigan. I just found this out recent, and it's kind of cool because, like I said, we used to race you know, our slot cars uh, there in the 60s and come to find out that you've got a town now that's been totally taken over by homos, faggots, queers, whatever you want to call them and it was the heart, it was the center of all the all the clan activity in in, uh, in the state of Michigan or at least the lower portion. Did you know what? that? No, I did not know that. It's interesting. But you know it's kind of funny because you get people old enough they remember when Royal Oak was all farmland and everything and it became the new suburbs and now it all moved out here to North Oakland County, and it's I remember out that. beyond that. Or I remember just beyond Royal Oak, uh, my, my uh, grandparents on my father's side, they had a cottage on White Lake. You probably know exactly where that is. Oh, yes. Very nice lake, it's, too. It's probably not far at all from you. Uh, it's probably a stone's throw from where you're at right now. At one point, those were all cottages out there. And that's yeah, I, back when the middle class had money to do things like that. Yeah, and, that and that's what they were. That's, yeah. that's what they were. They were middle class. My grandfather worked at the uh, Chrysler plant uh, down on, um, well, I-75 goes right through where the plant used to be now. Jefferson plant? No, it's up a little little from there. I, I, I can't think of it uh, right now off of 75 or 375, but... They weren't wealthy by any means. They were working class. Were able to save up a little money to buy a you know a, a little shit cottage. Actually, it was quite pleasant on a, on a lake as a you know to spend time on, on during the summer. Growing up, my family had such a cottage in uh, Waterford, Michigan. It was really a great way to grow up. Yeah. But one last thing about Michigan, I know you remember Boblo Island. Oh, uh, are you kidding me? It's it's been forget about it. It's all condos now, and it's a hundred percent Arabs, all Chaldeans. Well, that's good. What's got to Ar- get a lot worse? What brought the Arabs there? You know, there's I always, don't know. There's always been a thing, Jeff. It, you even, don't know. Uh, when I used to work back in, uh, I used to work in Dearborn in the, in the early '70s, and uh, East Dearborn's always had, um, to the best of my knowledge, it was the hugest. Uh, uh, concentration of Arabs in, in, in the country. It was Deer, East Dearborn at that point in time. Now they've taken over, from what I understand, all of Dearborn, or most of it. But uh, they've always been, been there, and it's spreading like cancer. Huh. They were originally I, Christian Arabs, the Chaldeans, I believe. Oh. Is that what it was? Well, I know there, was, I know there were many, many Syrians there. I know that, because I worked with quite a few of them back in the day. And, uh, you know, some of those people, some of the, some of, some of those people, like uh, that I've met, uh, copt Christians from Egypt and Syrian Christians. Uh, some of them are very close to being Aryan uh, in appearance, uh, and a lot of them I've met are not obnoxious people. Uh, and I'm, I'm not I'm not going out on a limb uh, to uh, 
to speak um, you know positively about them, but um, they're not the worst sort of bunch. Yeah, they come here and they get Americanized, though. Yeah. And they do get to be the worst bunch. Uh, yeah. there, however, there are, and I noticed this back in the, you know, back in the early 70s, that uh, there were quite a few who did not. The girls, you know, they'd start wearing makeup, but uh, they, they wouldn't go out with a white man. And, and I'll admit that I tried. I mean, I used to know a couple of hot Arab-looking chicks, as funny as that sounds, coming from me. Uh, but they would not. They would not go out with a white guy. They had to go out with another Arab. And, you know, the scary part about it is when you drive, I understand if you drive down through those areas now uh, in Dearborn, everything, it's like being in a foreign country. All the signs on the stores, yeah. everything's written in Arabic. And I've seen pictures in the papers. But the scary part about it is, and I don't know the, the number of uh, Arabs. I know it's astronomical. I, I don't know if it's a half million, a million, I don't know what it is, but the scary part about million. it is, well, you got to imagine, just use your imagination, if, if, if one-tenth of one percent of those people in of that half a million, if they're sympathetic to what's going on over in the Mideast right now, we're in for some real serious problems somewhere down the line, because they're all here. Yeah, Al here. Alex just sent me a note to uh, say, do you guys know who that Debbie Schlusel is? She's uh, that Atlas shrugged kike uh, that um, uh, actually she actually took on she she took on Alex Linder's uh, VNM blog and then uh, Alex fired back and then she kind of went back and hit it in a corner. But apparently she's uh, uh, screaming about the Muslims in Michigan right now. <laughs> but she's a kike though. Yeah, uh, she's got reason to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know about about these Arabs. You know, I, I, uh, I often wonder, given the Kikes' uh, cleverness, is that um, they might, the Kikes might, uh, the Arabs might flip one day and actually become partners with the uh, Kikes again. And it, you know, in history, they've done that. And so, uh, uh, you know. Uh, you know, war can do this to people, right? <laughs> well, that and, and uh, you know, they've got a lot to gain, uh, and that's how the Jew operates. <laughs> wink, wink. And well, he's always I making think they deals. have a similar mindset, too. I mean, there's the Arabs own all the party stores around here, and there's some Chaldeans that own the one near my house. When you say party stores, you mean liquor? Uh, yeah, liquor stores. Uh, that's a Michigan chips. thing. <laughs> that's yeah, a Detroit I, thing. You, oh. you can get anything you want there. Anything from cold beer to uh, dog food to liquor, anything oh. in between. But uh, they're very money-hungry, always looking for the next scam, working the next angle. They behave quite a bit like Jews, although they do hate the Jews, or so they say. <laughs> that started back in the... Uh, uh, that started going on when I was a teenager back there. I, that's when I remember noticing uh, the, the Arabs uh, starting to take over that, that whole, you know, the party stores. That's what we call them when I grew up there. When I, when I moved up here and met my wife and said, uh, you know, I'm going to run up to the party store and get a pack of cigarettes years ago when I used to smoke, uh, she looked at me like I had two heads. Party store? What the hell's that? But that, you know, they call them delis here uh, on the East Coast or... or uh, I didn't realize it was such a regional thing. No, it's it's a very regional thing. It's a Midwestern thing, uh, or, or or strictly like a Detroit, Ohio, Indiana uh, 
thing. It's it's kind of funny. But they they I I witnessed that as a as a teenager. Uh, they pretty much took over any any party stores and it's in a lot of the shitty neighborhoods too. But then it started moving out into the white suburbs, and uh, they pretty much took it all over. They they took it all over. <laughs> These were all stores that used to be run by you know white families that lived in the neighborhoods. Initially, and, uh, yeah, they were and all until gone. that generation kind of died out or left it or whatever befell them. Uh, but it's the Arabs gone. were definitely there, well-funded to walk right in. Yeah. I mean, the the area that I grew up in on the east side of Detroit over by the Packard plant, there used to be a high concentration of Pollocks uh, off of uh, Mount Elliott and uh, near, near Grand Boulevard. And I'm going to have to assume that that's all gone. But th those were the type of people that ran these stores. Would that be Hamtramck? No, it wouldn't be Hamtramck, but it wasn't far from Hamtramck. Hamtramck, they used to call it. Uh, I, I understand the Arabs have taken that over as well. Hamtramck used to be, you know, everybody knew that's where all the Polacks were. Yes, and they have taken it over, and now they have speakers on the buildings given that Muslim call to prayer, I don't know how many times. I, I remember reading about that. And Hamtramck used to be a fun place to go. But but there was a section over in the, in the shithole... Uh, section of Detroit that I grew up in that was that's where all the poles lived and it was uh, I can't think I'm sure it had a little name like a sub sub area name but I I can't think of it right now the old Packard plant that's that's pretty much all I can remember Mount Elliott and Warren th that area but I'm sure those days are all gone I'm sure they're all out of there by now you know that th this is uh, uh, another reason why I'm so negative about about things because you know uh this there's a certain momentum quality to this, and there's uh, you know in physics you have this idea of momentum and and potential energy, and you know there's so much uh, there's so much momentum now in the country in terms of you know demographics and birth rates and the you know the ever declining uh, economic power of whites, uh, but you know uh, at the same time if you got declining economic power of whites. Then there's got to be kind of like a counterbalance to that, and you have the the increasing economic power of these mud people, and and th that spells real, real bad news for us folks. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to have to be very radical solutions that will fix this. And and you know, one, I mean, we've been you kind know of, what uh, we've been kind of commiserating here, but you know that we talked about one solution was kind of radical. And and that was uh, and that was moving to somewhere you know to be with with whites. You know the other solution is going to be something like, um, well, something I don't I'm not, I'm not sure we can talk much about. Pe people like Tim McVeigh blowing up buildings. In other words, it'd be a big mess trying to clean it up. Yeah. And and yeah. and and, uh, and you know I I can't see any other you know I I can't see any solution other than a radical one. And it may not be one that a lot of people have the in intestinal fortitude to accept or go along with. Especially even, since we've had it if so their own lives are at stake. Especially since we've had it so easy in this country. You know, we we usually win our wars, except for this last one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we usually win our wars. We, we have this continent just handed to us, right? I mean, I mean, who who do we have here? You know, we had these 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 worthless Indians that were here in small numbers, and we just took the place over. And we've had it so we've, we're so fat and wealthy. I, I'm not sure that it, that you know we can be conditioned. Our race can at least here in North America can be reconditioned in enough time to to resist. 
Well, there's going to be some other uh, dynamics involved, too. There's going to be external pressures as well as internal that are going to change America quite a bit. I mean, the Chinese are saying they're going to hit us. Their defense minister says so. Uh, they're claiming they're going to hit us with biotech weapons that Israel's helping them develop. So, um, you know, when we come out from the bottom of that type of misery and that type of cataclysm, cataclysm after you see the Mexicans make their land grab and the Chinese do whatever they're going to do, uh, you might actually get a very desperate people to actually make a stand at that point. It may be a little too late for that at that at that point in time. I mean, you know, I think the, uh, I don't know about the Chinese, but you could assume that, uh, I know the Japanese, they refer to America as the farm. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, I, I talk to locals around here about this all the time. And uh, you, you talk to people and, and tell them that, you know, we're going to have problems with the communist Chinese. And, and people are just so ignorant. They're just so clueless. They just can't put the basics yeah. together. I mean, I've had a, I had a friend of mine who's good at making money. He's got an antique store. He's not a Jew. And uh, he, he can think when it comes to making money. But uh, simple things like uh, I, I'd say, yeah, well, you know, we, we've got these communist Chinese that we've got stuff. And he... Well, what 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 the hell do we, we got that they want, Jim? And and I just say, food. You know, I mean the simple elbow stuff, room. Yeah. Well, that yeah that and well and white women too. I don't I don't even know if they go for the white women, uh, like the non-whites here do. But the bottom line is we've still got plenty of farmland, and <laughs> there's a lot of you know Chinese. What, what's the number on the Chinese? I think they've got a two. If I'm not mistaken, I think they've got a 200 million man uh, standing army. Does that sound about right? It's huge. It's huge, and and you know that's they get hungry. See, they, they're becoming technologically advanced, and China's actually going to have a huge demographic problem because their one-child policy has caused a huge section of the population to not have women for them. So you're going to have a restless group of people, an entire generation, where you have millions, tens of millions of them that are going to be willing to do some crazy stuff because they're never going to have families. They're never going to have a, a, a wife. You know, what's, what's so funny is, is that you know, when you talk to these people, uh, as you have done, Yankee Jim, uh, it seems as though they now believe these elemental evolutionary uh, 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 mechanisms at work uh kill or be killed eat or be eaten uh you know land space it seems like all this has been sort of suspended in their world and they now live in a sort of uh world without you know of of a world with padded walls uh we mentioned the fact that uh these other broadcasts uh non-white white nationalist broadcasts and stuff uh, like this other Free Talk Live, this is Libertarian Free Talk Live, uh, for instance. I, I don't know if I mentioned that to you, but you know, I, I was listening to their shows, and these people, they have no understanding of history, they have no understanding of even current events, and they, you can't even, you can't even, even with people who are supposedly uh, politically sophisticated, uh, white national, the, the white national, nationalist banter. And, and approach to these uh, issues is, is so far elevated from from even someone like that. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's really it's shocking the level of the dumbed down culture we have. 
They, well, they've been. Go ahead, Mitch. I'm going to say uh, most Americans don't really know what's going on outside of America. They don't understand that these atrocities that we've heard about in ancient history weren't that ancient, and savagery can return to us or be wreaked upon us. I mean, it has already. But New Orleans, it is, has yeah. Yes. And people still don't want to talk about it because if it's not affecting them personally or their family, they're just going to put the blinders on. They just don't want to know about it as long as they're doing okay financially and able to, to, to live away from the non-whites. That's all changing slowly. But uh, the sad part about it is there's still a lot of paper money over here, and nobody's really hungry. Just take a trip to Walmart, and you'll see what I mean. Exactly. Nobody's hungry, and that's the only thing that's going to get people to fight, uh, to stand up, is when they get hungry. Uh, whoever controls the food controls the people. Yeah, well, we all know how ridiculous the value of our currency is. I mean, it is worthless. It's, it's a house of cards that is being propped up, and that can't continue on into perpetuity. Yeah, well, that's the question. How long can they keep that going? I mean, people are starting to notice it. They were starting to notice it this summer when gas went up to 350 a gallon. Uh, you've got something to, to, you know, and then people like me and you guys, I'm sure every chance you get, I mean, I pull up to a gas station when, 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 when people are standing there looking at, you know, they're pumping gas into their car, looking up at a price of 349 a gallon. Believe me, I throw logs on the fire. Yeah, oh, I'm always <laughs> agitating. Always. Uh, every chance I get. But when they're looking at a sign that says $3.50 a gallon gas, believe me, they start listening. Gas is going back down now. I, don't even, I can't even tell you how long ago it's been since I bought gas. But, but uh, uh, when, it st when things start, how long can they continue with this, this, this game? How, how long can this, this keep going? Yeah, well, China's talking about dumping, you know, they hold a trillion dollars worth of T-bills and bonds, and that's money they want to spend while it's still worth something. And so far, through the international community, we've pressured them to sit on it. But I don't think we're going to have that ability for much longer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, a financial genius by any means, but uh, I do know that um, it's going to take a lot of creativity to, to continue this uh, to keep this thing going. Uh, well, this sh this show I don't think is going to be going much more tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I guess on that note, we better wrap it up. And and I I, I would uh, actually I'm starting to kind of fade again. I kind of got a second win after that break, but I've been getting up early in the morning, and so you'll have to forgive me. But I, I do want to uh, uh, invite everyone to visit uh, Yankee Jim's blog. Uh, first of all, and 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 uh, uh, you know, you cross-reference with other blogs, and uh, like I said, uh, we notice a lot of traffic coming over to us uh, from your site, Yankee Jim. So we thank Good. you for that. That's yeah. great. There's links to 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 your to, to everybody. You know, I try to include as many as I can. The object is to get people to go to the blog, not to necessarily read the local news. Well, that helps too on a local level because you know we all know politics is local. But uh, all the all the interesting links that you can include on one of those blogs that link to to VNN, that link to Goyfire, that that link to uh, all, all of these things that people have never seen before, mm -hmm. and uh, and then you got to just make sure that the public gets it becomes aware of this. Uh, I've done that here. I've flooded newsrooms with links to the blogs on current you know on local issues. Um, 
And once once they start snooping around, they, they come back and because they, they see stuff they've never seen before. They tune into shows like this mm-hmm. and listen to stuff they've never heard before. I mean, these people have never in their lives heard someone on on the radio refer to a Jew as a filthy, hook-nosed kike. Mm-hmm. This is unheard of. And you know what? There's a lot of people out there that like that. They do. They like their free speech because they do. They you know their ancestors died for it. And they do absolutely know that you're being honest in the things that you say. I, I don't think anybody in this broadcast has come off as dishonest in any way. No. And also we have uh, Mitch, who just spoke there. You can visit him at region5.net. And, uh, uh, and you know, he's got four videos out there and some other media information. And uh, actually, you've got a forum I see now. I didn't notice that earlier. Uh, actually, that was abused, so I had oh. to turn that off. Ah, oh, the abuse problem. Yes. Yeah, that's a very. <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh, you've also got a lot of you've got a lot of downloads here, and um, I would also like to remind listeners that um, uh, you may be interested in this too, uh, Mitch. Uh, I'm recording an audio book of James Mason's James Mason. He was a Nazi uh, activist in the early 70s, and he wrote a book called Siege. And I'm going to, tonight, probably before I go to bed, I'm going to be releasing uh, three more chapters uh, that I've recorded from that book. And um, uh, I, I recommend everyone, you know, if you don't want to listen, you can read this book. And you can, uh, I got the link to it from Solar General. And um, we also have Goyfire 44 that's uh, coming out sometime soon. And uh, I guess that's about it, folks. Uh, anything else you want to say in parting? Hey, Jeff, just one question to Mitch, if I may. Yes. Uh, local lines out there, along the lines, uh, you know, the, the neighborhood out there. Uh, Mitch, is the Birmingham Palladium still there? I am, I don't know of the building, so I can't, I okay. can't say. On Woodward Avenue. It's a, it was a rock and roll club when I was a teenager. Okay, I wish I had information on that for you. Okay. I saw Bob Seeger there. Hey, uh, he's the touring first. again. Yeah, well, that's why I brought it up. I, I figured... I'd let everyone know just how old I actually am. I mean, I, I saw Bob Seger at the Birmingham Palladium. It was a pretty good-sized local bar where they held concerts back in the day. But uh, Was that with I, the Seger system? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I paid $2 to see uh, the Bob Seger system at the Birmingham Palladium. My grandfather, uh, uh, 12, 12 mile in Woodward, that's where my grandfather's buried. Forget the name of the cemetery. That there. guy always came off as, as someone who didn't forget his roots. Does he still Bob live Seeger? up there? Yeah, does he still live up there in Michigan? I believe I he does. I believe he has a place out on the west side on Lake Michigan. Hmm. He did seem like a down to earth guy. You know, through that whole hippie craze and all that. I'm sure he smoked pot and stuff like that. Who didn't? But uh, he, he, he was one of those. He, he, I, I know what you're saying, Jeff. I just I can't put it in in words. And he always wrote those songs about Michigan too, right? Right, real songs, like yeah, y- you know, about real life living, like real people, not not this fake plastic nonsense. He was always that way. Well, all right, folks, let's call tonight, and and uh, we'll we'll be back here next week, and and we'll have some more to discuss, and uh, we'll uh, leave it here, okay? Good night. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. Region 5 Radio, region5.net. All right. Bye-bye. Free Talk Live is a production of Vanguard News Network Broadcasting.